Certainly not. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Toronto Maple Leafs lose a hockey game in which they look very porous defensively and in net. 6-3 to the Ottawa Senators, who impri- uh, improved to 5-6. and six. The Leafs drop under 500 now at 6-5-2. and 3-4 and four on home ice. And yeah, the, the fans deserve better. I almost felt like Sheldon Keefe was saying, hey, this forward group kind of deserves better than John Klingberg being the guy on the back end that's mm-hmm. on the ice for four, five-on-five five goals against. That's the thing, Brent. Like, it does feel now that, like, the nine forwards who are not on a line with Ryan Reeves, those guys, like, that yeah. looks pretty good. Like, you, you can't waste an 82-game season and beyond mm-hmm. of what it appears you have up front with what you also appear to have on the back end. Yeah, and I think the I think the important thing to mention about that is that there is such a track record for most of what we're seeing up front. Like Matthew Nyes, I'm not going to pretend it's a super long track record, but this isn't just, you know, this isn't me waving my leaf pom-pom saying it. All of the prospect guys have been pumping Nyes tires long before it came up, and he's looked the part. So that, I don't think you look at that and go, eh, how sustainable is that? No, that's sustainable. That's who he is as an NHL player. And he's not even scoring at like an unreal clip or anything like that. Tyler Bertuzzi, for all the, the discussion we've had, it's an NHL forward. That is a top six guy. We know what he is. That third line. Callie Yarncroft, been that guy many times before. Max Domi just was that guy for a Dallas team that won around in the playoffs. Like, it's all we ever want to do. Nick Robertson, you're allowed to have a young player burst mm-hmm. onto the scene. So none of the stuff you're seeing from the forward group is head above water. I mean, the Matthews goal scoring totals maybe is a little bit, but mm. oh, what? he's only he's, on pace for 82. Oh, now. I know what. He's going to have a 50-goal season yeah. in there forlorn in that regard. So I think that's the part of that conversation is that sometimes I think some people would hear, hear us say that and go, oh, it's 12 games into the season. What has this forward group proven? They've, they've proven a lot, not necessarily all together as a group, but in this league, lots and lots and lots of track record for those guys. So I think you can buy what you're seeing from that forward group. And I think the other part of it as well is that we, I don't know, I'll speak for myself, maybe you feel differently, but that forward group can be coached out of whatever the problems are with this team defensively right now. This isn't a forward group that is giving up a ton. It is the mental lapses that are killing them. It is not the complete absence of structure or the lack of a desire to get back with that forward group. So I think that's the thing that has to be hammered home. It's not just, ah, they got talented forwards who can score. It's, no, you have three lines that make a ton of sense and they're players that have proven they can play on winning teams. So yeah, I think that's why you have to kind of frame it that way for sure. Yeah, you know what else makes sense is that this team might be porous defensively with a 40-year-old Mark Giordano. God bless him and doing mm-hmm. the best he can. Hey, you got a John Klingberg. Last night. Yeah. You got John Klingberg who's been bad in his own end the last two years. And granted, it's for a yep. bad Ducks team for the most part before he was traded to Minnesota. Like, But bad, like really bad. You got a guy, William Lagson, didn't play in the NHL last season. Simone mm-hmm. Benoit. Yeah, he he also played for a bad Ducks team a season yep. ago and it was available for anybody. That's that's four sixths of your defense core. And then you got one line that you're asking to play 25 plus minutes a game mm-hmm. and a guy in TJ Brody who was starting to, to, to you were starting to scratch your head a little bit about yeah. during the postseason. Tread was getting ago. a little thin on the tires. The, okay, so like how can you expect 
different results with that type of personnel on your blue line? And and who at all is surprised that here we are through 13 games in this season and John Klingberg has... I mean, whipping boy feels like... When you call somebody a whipping boy, it feels like it's undeserved or unfair. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, I guess there's, that, there's, there's like definitely people some. use the term maligned in the wrong way. Maligned means you're criticizing somebody unfairly. Right. John Klingberg is neither maligned nor unfairly criticized as the whipping boy. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he has become that, not at all unexpected. And he is rapidly turning into the guy that when he's on the ice, everybody turns to the other, the, the guy mm-hmm. they're sitting next to and gives him a, the elbow like, oh boy, how, how are the Leafs going to keep this one out of their net for the next 30 to 50 seconds? They have, t- they have two guys on this team that are a minus watch every time they step on the ice. Yes. And honestly, it's like, Ryan Reeves, not totally his fault. Not not his fault. Definitely some, you can say, who needed better there. But there has been the bad puck luck. That's not been the case with John Klingberg. And again, there's a very different thing you feel about a guy who was brought in here, albeit on a deal that's too long and probably, you know, 100 grand or 200 grand too much, but who's there to play a very specific utility, whether you agree it exists or not. John Klingberg was brought in here to play NHL defense. Now, I know part of it was that he was going to feast on the power play and really get the forwards clicking. Again, even if you give him all the credit in the world for the power play, which no sane person would do. He has had his moments where he has the odd nice pass on there, but that thing's humming because of all the guys who have made it hum the whole time it's been going here. There is, there were, there were obviously going to be spots where you needed Klingberg to, you know, defend. He's a defender. And I can understand maybe how some people would have seen the Anaheim situation and said, okay, that's a guy who's so clearly checked out. Then he got traded to a team that, again, you know, it's not the, it, you know, it's it's not the, like, uh, Fedorov, Iserman wings here, but, you know, the wild, respectable team, solid team, and just was the same guy with the same problem. So I, you know, I'm not going to even say I understood the flyer because I didn't like it from the jump, but I can kind of get where Treliving talked himself into it. But, man, so early, all the bad is there, and you you haven't even been getting any of the good. Okay, so... I don't think it's come to a head quite yet, but maybe mm-hmm. it has. I mean, we've we've seen teams decide that, yeah, this is actually the point where it's come to a head. Yep. I mean, the, the Edmonton Oilers have still almost $20 million coming to Jack Campbell. They said enough is enough. Like, yep. we, we can't allow this to continue to foment. Like, we, we got to do something. I mean, if this continues, that conversation starts happening for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But let me ask you this, Brent. Yep. Today, if the Maple Leafs just... And don't talk about what they can do with the extra money because it's you can't redo free agency, right? Like who's available no, is no, who's yeah, available yeah. now. It's the middle of the season. You can't just, you know, go out and get guys. And I mean, I guess you can figure out a trade. But like say you were just able to make John Klingberg and Ryan Reeves just disappear. Like they're gone. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. And in their place are internal candidates, which I guess is like Bobby McMahon. Yeah. Who's hey? He's got a physical element of his game as well, and yep, he's been a guy that's mm-hmm. it's been on people's radar at the American League level, and got a sniff of it last year at the NHL level. Um, so he's your forward call up, and then you know who, who the hell really knows about Miko Kokkinen or Max Lajoie? Or he's already got in there. <laughs> I mean, Max Lajoie is currently with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, yep. if you just swap those guys out for. And there's some unknown there with some big time, some guys that have limited track records. There's unknowns with William Lagasin, honestly, and Simon Benoit to a lesser extent. He played a full season last mm-hmm. year with the Ducks. Is this team better? Like if you just 
those guys, it's like addition by subtraction. Are the Toronto Maple Leafs better if you just make <laughs> make run? And I did the like genie, yeah, like arms on my 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 shoulders. Somehow that translated over the mic. Did very it? Good job. Yeah. I want. Well, we're in the same room. Maybe I'm just. I, I, I wanted to make sure it did, so I I did, did explain it. Um, but if you just made those guys disappear and the memory of them eliminated from your brain, are the Toronto Maple Leafs better? I am for sure of that belief. With Bobby McMahon and Ryan Reeves, 1,000%. Yeah, I liked- and, and it's, it's, like, almost not fair because, like, I think even Ryan Reeves understands that, like, from a pure... Like, if you're asking him to play hockey, yeah. like, that's well, a problem. And again, I like a world where Ryan Reeves is able to be on this team and he can be the nuclear deterrent you put in. Or, yeah, this team's been sleepy. Or, yeah, this team took a run at a guy last time. I like that. But in terms of every single night, yeah, you feel way better about Bobby McMahon. I don't want this to come as a defense of John Klingberg because, you know, I know I know everyone deserves a, a good lawyer, but I don't I don't want to be doing that for, for John Klingberg. But careful what you wish for. Yeah. Okay. At playing defense, uh, ju- again, just ask John Klingberg, is hard yeah. in the National Hockey League. Now, I think it's a guy who just needs a beat. He needs a blow. He needs to see the game from up top. Something. Just give him a night off. I really do feel that with Klingberg. But there's a reason. Sheldon Keefe played Max Lajoie. Was it four minutes or it was basically the exact right time Ryan yeah. Reeves had the, the other <laughs> night in, in that game. And yeah, part of it is we all know how coaches are with the younger players. They make a mistake. They get stapled pretty, pretty quickly there. But I don't know that it'd be miles better. I think it'd be safer. I think that is something you could say is that a guy like Max Lajoie would be very much in like protect the shield mode in terms of don't let anything bad happen. But I don't think that you'd be a better hockey team over the course of 82 games if it's one of those guys. Now, Connor Timmons is healthy. It's a very different conversation. And I don't even feel like Connor Timmons is some, you know, game breaker or anything like that. It's just he was actually producing points and he didn't need power play time to do it with this team. And if that's what Kling, like if you're just going to have yes, an offensive guy. At least guy, do the thing. Like, right. If without, without needing the prime spot that mm-hmm. you take away from a core tenant of this team in Morgan Riley. Like that's the part of this that I think they're honestly I'm dying for is way too strong of a term because sorry, no one should be dying for Connor Timmons to come back in the lineup, <laughs> but they should be dying for Connor Timmons to take John Klingberg's spot specifically. What about Justin Hall? Like what oh about- my god! I mean, <laughs> the- what if you just swapped out John Klingberg for Justin Hall right now, who's making three four on What's a three term? year term? Yeah, so, okay. I know three years is tough for a thirty one year old who is Justin Hall, but like, yeah. well, it, it isn't. It isn't. It, we we did the exact same thing with Bunting. We talk about it like these guys got signed to lifetime deals, like they're going to be Yager at fifty playing in Carolina and Detroit. They're three-year deals. I'm not saying it had to be Justin Hall, but again, I go back to, I don't know, it couldn't have been Matt Dumba on a one-year $3 million deal. said the exact same thing about Domi and Duchesne. So, hey, feel free to prove me wrong at any point here, John Klingberg. Don't think that's going to happen. I, They've got to find a way to get a different body in there, and I know part of it is just getting healthy, and part of it is being up against the cap. Man, it's cap league. Everyone's up against the cap. But again, I'll hammer this point home again. This was the first thing you had to do. I understand you probably tried to do Ryan O'Reilly first. Maybe you tried to, I mean, I know you tried to get a Matthews extension done the second you got here. I understand all that. That was the first big swing, and it wasn't a small one. And again, do we even feel differently about it? The answer is probably no. 
But if it's not four, if it's two, five, or three, we feel a little differently about it. He's mm. still killing them, and we'd still be having a pretty similar conversation. But guess what? We wouldn't be having the Ryan Reeves-Bobby McMahon conversation because there'd be one of those guys, and there'd be another sentient being in the blue line conversation if you just had that other million bucks or million five. So, you know, uh, contracts, it's its a thing we always bandy about in in this in this league. And, yeah, it's I, again, it's, it's so frustrating, especially with this one because I think so many people saw it coming. Yeah, uh, and and you know what? John Klingberg sees a lot of hockey coming his way because he has a great seat for some in- incredible offensive zone possessions for the other team. Like he's, it's it's <laughs> just like it is remarkable. And I know it's it, it's not this way, but it just it in yeah. When you see a defenseman not doing anything, like and just like paralyzed with indecision, yep. it, <laughs> man. When it rains, it we we have seen this. This is how it works in all sports with guys. This is how it works when you are going through it. It, the the puck just finds you. We see it. We saw it. We talked about Chapman earlier on in the show. We saw it all the back half of the season, pretty much after April with Matt yeah. Chapman, that every single time runners on base, somehow it wasn't Matt Chapman up two two batters ago and he's up again. Yeah. Klingberg, exact same thing. Like when you're going through it, the puck yes. just finds you. Uh, you want to play a Sheldon Keefe? Yes. Beer? So we, we had a lot of talk coming into this year. We actually asked for living specifically about criticisms of the core, pointed criticisms, criticisms of the team play. And there's so much to take out of last night's game. I didn't see this garnering a ton of talk or conversation, but I think it's interesting that he has some pretty pointed criticism of this team's best players on, uh, on the goal that he thinks cost him the game last night. You always have tough nights. You got to play better in front of them. If there's some chances we could go now, listen, we didn't play a terrible game. Like there's, we've played worse. We've given up twice as much in some other games than we gave up tonight. Um, the game is right there for us. We just make big mistakes at a really important time, start of the second period. You know, we overstretch our shift and the puck's in our net. And we're kind of chasing the game from, from that moment, right? Those are our best players on the ice. Mm, best players, yeah. It was uh, notable. And John Klingberg, just, yeah. he was out there as well. <laughs> it was also notable, yeah. So the Matthews line starts the game. The Matthews line starts the second period yes. in the first shifts of both of those periods they give up grade a scoring chances mm-hmm. and i turned to you actually to start the game and i said ah, I think it's, it's already one nothing if samson on the net little did i know what was coming mm-hmm. for joseph wall but yeah they did it again on the first shift of the second period it was notable that it was not the matthews line on the ice for the opening face-off of the third period. It was the Nylander. Yeah, it was Nylander, Tavares, and Bertuzzi. And for that goal he was referencing there, the players on the ice were Klingberg, Geo, Nyes, and Marner, and Domi. Now, I'm assuming Matthews just getting off on a change there. Domi, rough rough run of uh, dash luck there. And he, that was the one that put him over the edge to be a minus. So you really, really don't like that. But I think that's what you want to see out of Sheldon Keefe. I think sometimes and it got so hot and so much of it was coming off the back of the Blue Jays conversation and you wanted direct, concrete, give me the answers. I want to know what it looks like. Give me the answers is that that is what pointed criticism can be sometimes. It doesn't have to be my players are soft and purposeless and we played a weak game, a cowardly game. It doesn't. Mm. I mean, there are times where it may warrant that. I don't think we've seen that from this team yet. I like that. It was a pointed moment in the game. You need your best players to be better. But guess what? Best players have won them games at points in times this year. You can make that and move it on. And I think the important thing is, is that if you, I didn't want to say tiptoe, because I don't think Sheldon Keefe is like tiptoeing in with the criticism. But if you sprinkle in the criticism throughout the year, mm-hmm. it doesn't come like a sledgehammer when you hear soft and purposeless. It's like, 
it, you know, if you're, it's a bad way to frame it because I don't think Keith wants to think of it this way, but if you're constantly getting yelled at when you really get screamed at, maybe it's not as jarring if somebody who never has their voice raised at them. Right. And I think that that's why it's important for him to be able to take that tact. And guess what? It's not a 10 alarm panic in the city. Part of that's because we're all focused on John Klingberg and not this, but yeah, I, I thought that was interesting last night that he obviously didn't mention him by name, but we can all go look at the game sheet and see who was on the ice for that one against and see who he's talking about. You know what? Maybe if this continues, Sheldon Keefe is the fall guy, but I I, I mean, it, this is not a DJ Smith situation in in Ottawa. I think you poll the fan base. Who who thinks any of this is on Sheldon Keefe? Again, a guy who's proven his mm-hmm. ability to create a defensive structure that, that al- allows for his goalies to have to do less, and it's not like we're talking about defense cores that were otherworldly the last couple of years. Now there's a couple of guys and yeah, the, the, you, you feel differently about it and now that they're gone and like John yeah. Klingberg's taking their place. But, yeah. but yeah, that was not a, a blue line on paper the last couple of years that you thought, man, there's a stout defensive group. They were yeah. as coached by Sheldon Keefe. I mean, who's putting what's happened here defensively on the head coach and you're the head coach. You're responsible for, for all sure. of it. But it is like it. It feels like a very much a Brad for living John Klingberg Ryan Reeves problem yeah, that, right now. That's an interesting way to frame it because I think with Keith the the criticism there's two criticisms that I think people go to with him, and we just talked about one of them. Is he a little hesitant to publicly call it out? Is that a criticism of him? Is that a criticism of the org? Fair question to have. I think he kind of checks that box there. You see it a little more. The other criticism, and people feel differing ways about this, is. When the defense is playing bad, we look at it and say that's a personnel problem, and I think that's the right way to go about it. When the forwards are struggling, we look at it, and yeah, we will quibble with a forward who has a bad game, and I plenty of arrows uh, out of my quiver, right? Tyler Bertuzzi, right? And Max Domi didn't like what I saw from them, but that is where I think you'll see Keefe wear it. If the forwards are be seen to not doing their job, and because we know what will follow. But we them. know he can coach them up no, to but, do that. No, no, but th- that's not, it's not the coaching up part. It's the blender. Mm. The, when Keefe, it's all going too well up front right now that he can't. Even he cannot sit there and go, I got to tinker. I got to move one guy here. I got to move one guy there. I think that is the thing that drives, when you hear the most, ah, this team needs a new head coach. It's because they look like they've just tuned everybody out. And that's not a criticism of him. That's the criticism of the 18 or 20 guys or whatever it is. But if this Leafs team underperforms and it looks like it did yesterday, and that's the reason, like, God forbid, they miss the playoffs and Sheldon Keefe is the guy thrown overboard, I think. I mean, I, I'm going to look pretty critically at Brad for living and uh, d- deciding to, to use him as the meat shield because that that feels like a Brad for living problem, not a Sheldon Keefe problem. If the if the Leafs underperform yep. and they end up way behind where they should be, and again, mm-hmm. like the the nightmare scenario that they miss the playoffs, and it looks like that, yep. like that doesn't feel like a coach problem. That no, feels I, like that feels like somebody saying, "Hey, look over here." Not at, at me who yep. tied up more than five million bucks in, in two guys that are net negatives for this hockey team. Oh, no, the biggest net negatives for this team have been those decisions made. And I think Keefe is a good coach, but I think that I think that that's where you see the criticism of him is if he is is a little too want to really shake things up in terms of the the offensive lines and that and but that hasn't been the issue this year. So I just think there'll be enough other places to go. I'm with you. Keefe, not the problem. All right. Time now for something to chew on brought to you by great Canadian meats. Uh, this out of the New York Post. So Andrew Marchand uh, has turned from a Yankees reporter into 
media reporter. I only, I didn't, I actually, maybe bad baseball guy by me. I feel like I only know him as like media. Oh, guy. really? That's really I, as I, I, I've yeah. met him down at the ballpark when he used to be uh, a Yankees reporter for the New York Post, and okay. he is, you know, smartly carved out a nice little niche for himself in, in sports media as far as a sports media reporter. Uh, but yeah, he of the the New York Post interviewed Al Michaels. Mm, good get the the goat like. Who doesn't think of Al Michaels on the short list and if oh, not totally. at the very tippy top of play-by-play men in history? Yeah. I mean, Miracle on Ice. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, n- numerous, numerous NFL yeah. moments. But now on Thursday Night Football, which it felt like the only reason he's there is because he, he he was the last one standing. You know, everybody else found a dance partner. And, oh, I thought you were going to say the the buckets of money. Well, that's what you're going to say. Also <laughs> that. So, yeah, this is year one of a three-year deal, or I guess year two of a three-year deal, uh, as he's being paid an estimated $500,000 to a million dollars <laughs> per game. Good autumn. Do not begrudge. Just hilarious. So <laughs> he, he flies private to these games, right? It's once a week. It's Thursday night, and it's for less than half of the year. Um, but, yeah, he's he's aged now. And I think rightly... Yeah, there has been some criticism lobbed his way. Now, part of it is, hey, you, you can't make chicken salad out of the the chicken excrement. Oh, okay. That it, on occasion, you. he's been given. But yeah, the, sometimes the level of energy has not risen to the moment. And I think we all go back to that playoff game, the the Chargers Jags yep. playoff game, right? He and Tony Dungy, and again, like it's not all on him too. Yeah. Like part of it is the partners he's been. I was gonna say. Yeah, Tony Dungy, but more specifically Kirk Herbstreit. Yeah, on Thursday Night Football, who boy, yeah, wishes he was Kirk Herbstreit. Has yeah, multiple times, multiple times this year, been like, ah, that's the number one player in the country right there. Yeah, he just goes full college. You cannot help it. It's so funny. So Marshand asked him if he wants like a goodbye tour and if next year is going to be yeah. his final year, and he said, I. I don't think I'm a a lot different than I have been through the years. And if people want to say Al doesn't sound as excited, hold on a second, folks. I'm doing the same game I've always done. Okay. Maybe he feels that way. And, 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 and maybe, you know, Herb Street can figure it out. It does feel Mm. like this is a, nothing can change the way Al Michaels is viewed. Right. And as Marshand rightly points out in the piece that the legacy is already cemented. It's Al Michaels forever and ever. Mm -hmm. Amen. But this sucks. Yeah, this sucks. Brutal, man. When you think of it, like think of all the great partners he's had. And like for my vintage, it's Alan Chris. Like that's what I that's what I think of. I close mm-hmm. my eyes, Al Michaels, and I see Collins with oh baby doing his slide, and it's so fun. If there is a, and like I know that this isn't how sports media works, but like, would how great would it be to see him get to do a season where it's just like all right, he's working with Collinsworth, he's working mm-hmm. with all the guys he's worked with who are still with us because he's been working a long, long time. Like I, I think that'd be awesome to see. And yeah, the the resume is unassailable, but man, like. Father Time's undefeated when it comes to athletes. Uh-huh. Father Time's undefeated when it comes to play-by-play guys, too. Like, obviously, uh, a little bit of a longer run there. But, man, like, we've, we've seen it. Seen it in this country. Yeah, that being said, like, and no offense to Mike Tirico, I think it's fine. Fine, yeah. But, like, you put him back with Collinsworth. Of course, man. Of course. Yeah, it's it's a different deal. <laughs> oh, man. 
And God, this is going to age him years tonight. Panthers, Bears from Chicago. <laughs> I, the funniest, the actual funniest part of it is you could just, you could tell everything you need to know about where he's at mentally as the interview starts with him asking Marshawn, how do you think yeah. I sound? Yeah. yeah. When, when, when Al Michaels, like Hall of Famer of, I don't know, do we have a broadcast Hall of Fame? It feels like that'd be a thing. Yeah. Uh, certainly I'm not in it. I won't, I won't, uh, I won't ruin your chances of that. But it's like when, when he goes in, it's just, man, it's, it is remarkable to think that he has been saddled with with Herb Street, a guy who's just so. And I like Herb Street, and I've talked yeah. to him on the radio. Yeah, and like good. obviously in college, college games, stuff, he, is yeah, that, yeah, this is it's, it. Doesn't feel like he's just sad. into it. Yeah, it's just sad to see a guy. But like who this. the hell would walk away from that money? That's like, oh my god. This is not. And hey, athletes don't do it after they've made yeah. half a billion dollars, right. right? Like if they can make another million dollars, yes, they're gonna stick around until they're forced out. Like he's yeah he's made lots of money, but yeah not not like athlete money. No, of course not. A million dollars a week is still a million dollars a week. Although aged Al Michaels. Yeah, I'll, although if, I will say, if I was him, I would probably just be playing at Brentwood Country Club. I mean, he's doing day. that a lot. I think. Yeah, but I but every day. Okay, so like he probably does it like four or five times a week. Your dad would be disgusted with that. Yeah. He's like only four or five. <laughs> What's wrong with this bum? It's true. Uh, he's 78 years old, is Al Michael. So good on him, man. Um, all right, when we come back, it was a guy we were sitting next to yesterday at the hockey game, uh, and we told him, you better bring it Yeah, tomorrow morning in a matter of first, hours. First question, was he as excited to see us in the building as when he saw Marky Mark was at the Celtics game <laughs> last time we talked to him? That's true. Last time we talked to him, he was in rough shape. Uh, but uh, in, better, uh, in better physical condition is Luke Fox, Sportsnet Leafs reporter who joins us next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joe Sports 759 the fan Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. We gotta come back. Luke Fox with some rap, don't we? Like feels feels a little off brand. That's eh, all right. It's okay. Luke uh, here's plenty of rap um in his earbuds like every day, I'm sure. For sure. He, he joins us now, Sportsnet's Leafs reporter who who had us for two consecutive home games at Scotiabank Arena. Will you miss us tomorrow against the Flames? You're not coming? No. 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 You just you just figured out when they bring out the pizza bets. <laughs> I know. I, listen, I took my cues from you and like, yeah, like it, it's in the first intermission, but if you show up right at the beginning of the first intermission, you're going to miss you're going to you're going to be iffy if you get a slice. You got to leave like just a little bit before the horn sounds. Just to just to pull back the curtain for everyone, it really pro- it really does it really illuminates why we have so many conversations about dog on a bone type players watching all of us fellow media jackals <laughs> fighting for pizza. Like it really does hammer home why that is the thing we're focused on all, yeah. all the time. But also no ice cream sandwiches. All right, we don't need to talk. There are new chairs as well. Okay. We don't need to talk about that. We should probably talk about the actual uh, I, I guess. game in and of itself. Uh, so, Luke, I want to start Joe Wall last night. That's okay. where that's where I want to start. 
That was Ooh. as odd a game as I've seen from him from the absolute jump. Did not have it. I think it was the first, maybe second shot of the game went right through him and as he, he was able to squeeze it. I mean, I'm not going to overreact to this, but man, that was disconcerting to see that from a guy who, whatever you'll say about him, and some people haven't been as high on him as others, but the one thing has been unflappable, steady, and man, it was just weird to see him look like that last night. Yeah, he had a bad game. Uh, he certainly wasn't the only one. It was an interesting stat I heard. He was the only uh, goalie in the NHL um, that had seen a bunch of action but hadn't let one in from outside the, the home plate area yet. And uh, last night, a, a couple slipped through, like just right under the pads and stuff. It, it was a bad game. To his credit, afterwards, he basically came out and said, hey, I need to, to be better. That wasn't good enough for me. But he didn't do it. You know, woe is me. Jack Campbell way. Sulky way, yeah. Uh, He was just honest and frank, but kind of like, I need to be better, and I have better in me, and and I got to be better for my teammates. I I let them down. And uh, he took some responsibility, but it wasn't, um, you know, hey, everybody, feel sorry for me. Um, So I really liked the way he handled it. He owned it. He had a bad game. Uh, You know, and I think it was a reminder uh, to the fan base and, you know, to everyone that's been watching him get off to a, a fa- fantastic October that, hey, this guy's still a young goalie in the league and he's going to have some bad nights. Uh, it just happened to coincide with a, a horrific night for the for the blue line as well. Yeah, and his overall number is still good. 913 save percentage. Same cannot be said about Ilya Samsonov's overall numbers. They are Horrific, but yeah, it's 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 back to being kind of alternating. I, I I feel like uh, going towards the weekend, but I mean that's um, easier to diagnose, I would say. Although it, I don't know if it leaves you uh, all that confident, but it's it's yeah, it's a couple of guys who are are question marks to various degrees, but they kind of are what they are. Um, there are potential moves coming on the blue line if this continues, and specifically with John Klingberg. Luke, this is not unexpected to see what we've seen out of him. I'm sure the Leafs expected the the offensive side of things to be a little bit better to 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 cover up some of his defensive shortcomings. But like, how close are we to a tipping point in the the Klingberg being a net negative discussion? Well, right, well, he is a net negative right now. I I, I just don't know how you solve this problem. I like the you consider. He got off to a rough start in in Anaheim, and it came to the trade deadline, and they basically couldn't give him away. I think he went for a fourth. Mm -hmm. Like, it it was not a good return. So, I, to me, I think you have to try and and work with him and get him, get him playing a bit better for for a while. I mean, who do you have? Timothy Lilligren's on LTI. Jake McCabe, this this groin injury, which was supposed to be a, mm-hmm. a minor thing, is now six games and counting. Uh, and even when he was in, I was a little worried about him. But suddenly it's like, bring back Jake McCabe <laughs> as fast as you can, please. And and they got two AHLers uh, on, on the third pair. And, and they're they're actually doing okay. I, I think Benoit's been fine. Legison had a couple rough moments last night. But for, you know, when you step back and you consider what they're making and, and how – and what the expectations are, I, I think they're fine in cons- considering their expectations. This blue line is just too thin. And even when they went and got Klingberg, I was like, I was wondering, and, and like a lot of people, how are they going to fit all these pieces together? 
because we know Morgan Riley plays his best when he has sort of a safety net in TJ Brody. And that's been like the only um, solid pair of the, of the group so far. And it's like, well, who's going to be Klingberg's safety net? Because they knew this guy was a disaster in his own end. They knew he, he was trouble. All you had to do was watch any of his games in Anaheim or in Minnesota or even the last year in Dallas. He, he's, been, he's been hurting in his own end. This guy is a power play specialist. So who are you going to pair him with? And they never really found the right guy for him. And now that they've had these injuries, uh, Klingberg's deficiencies are just getting exposed further and further. And last night, was, uh, you would like to think that that's the worst. He's on for four goals against at even strength. And poor Mark Giordano, like, you know, he, he's doing his best, but he's the oldest guy in the league. He, yeah. and they're, they're, they're asking too much. They got a whole bunch of third-pair guys or fourth-pair guys and they're trying to give him second pair minutes, and this is what happens. Oh, honestly, and I, I think maybe the, the the oddest thing, most concerning, I don't know, we'll phrase it whatever way you want, is that, like, let's just go up and down the blue line to a man, kind of like you did. Like, Morgan Riley, you know, this isn't quite playoff mode, but I don't think anybody looks at him and says, ah, oh, he's been the problem. TJ Brody has kind of found a little more of his level. Maybe in other years we'd be looking for a little more from him, but I think, especially now, we just kind of are, are pleased with the game you've seen out of him. You just mentioned it, Geo's 40. What else could you possibly expect? And from Benoit and Lagasin, again, for guys who should effectively be fourth pair guys, I find myself going more times than not, eh, kind of like them. And yeah, you're right. Lagasin had the rough moments last night. I know some of that is just expectations and what we think of those guys, but is it not really just one guy that's a problem in, in Klingberg? And I'm not trying to paper over those other guys' deficiencies, but in terms of what you're getting versus what's expected, it, it really does just feel like like it's that one guy. Like, Do you think there's a... There's a fix, a, a Nick Ritchie-type fix at play here. I, I, maybe it's too early for that. Maybe it'd be tough for Treliving to do that so early, kind of throwing in the towel on that move. But I do wonder if it's just get that body out of here and things kind of set, not perfectly by any means, but a little better. Yeah, but you got to replace him with someone. Like, that. That that's what I keep coming back to. It's fine. It's like, oh, this guy, you know, is underperforming, especially relative to the fact that he makes over $4 bucks. But who's going to eat those minutes? Like, the next guy up is Max Lajoie. Yeah. And, and, we, and we saw how that went. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It, yeah. they're, in a, they're in a bad way. They're in a bad way. Okay, so let me, let me, let me and phrase they, and they, The other thing I just want to point yeah, out, please, because we're, we're really drilling on, on the blue liners, but they also lost a lot of forwards that had a defensive conscience and went with forwards that were supposed to provide offense, but knew they weren't so great in their own zone. Yeah, so no. the, it's a team sport. They also lost some defensive forwards. Yeah, no, to- totally. The the thing I was going to posit is, and, you know, I understand McCabe is the guy who seems closer to coming back, and who knows with that because it is weird how long it's lingered, but let's just say Connor Timmons was healthy. Like, what conversation do you think we're having? And I'm not going to sit here and tell you Connor Timmons is the savior, far from it, but he was able to put up points without needing power play time to do it or first power play time at that matter. Like, do you think we're even having a different conversation if it's just a body like Connor Timmons that's available for this team? Yeah, and he's a righty too. Exactly. Like, yeah, like Klingberg. So the the deal with Timmons, I asked Sheldon Keith about him yesterday because he was at the morning skate, and he's like, "Yeah, but it's just morning skate. He's still not ready to even participate in a full team practice. Mm. We're going to bring him with us to Stockholm, but don't expect him That's to nice. play in Stockholm next mm. week. Uh, but hopefully, he'll start ramping up in practices then. So we're still talking about a couple weeks." Minimum. Yeah. But-
but you're right. So maybe you just kind of hope that the team can rally together and just play better as a better defense as a team. And then maybe you get to the point where you scratch Klingberg for a night and, and put in Timmons once he's healthy. But I mean, again, you're, you're talking about Timmons has missed a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> And even and even when he's healthy, he was a six. He was a yeah. six seven. <laughs> well, and not exactly a guy that, like the first thought that comes to your mind is not like on the defensive side of things. It's a guy that's yeah. able to put up points, right? Yeah, like Klingberg. Except I, I guess anything can be better than what Klingberg is giving you in his own zone. I, I mean, Sheldon Keith talked about needing to protect him more. I, I rattled off the stat. Uh, it was going around Kevin Papetti on on Twitter yesterday that nobody's gotten. Um, fewer defensive zone starts than John Klingberg. So, like, that can't be what we're talking about as far as protection. I mean, how can they protect John Klingberg more? What does that mean? So, the, when he says that, the only thing I can think of is say, going to Morgan Riley and saying, sorry, bud, we need TJ Brody for a little while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's our fixer. I Like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that. Uh, lessening his minutes. I mean, his minutes already dropped. Like, they, they were, if you look at the minutes, they were using Lagesson a little bit more mm-hmm. and Klingberg a little bit less. But even still, like, your minutes go down and you're still on for four goals against, it just can't happen. No, it, it can't. And, you know, I, I don't want to take TJ Brody away from Morgan Riley, but I don't know. William no, Lagesson Lagesson looks a little more like Matt Hunwick and the style of guy that he's thrived behind. Like, it, like I'm not saying I would love it, but. Their stranger partners have worked with Morgan Riley is all I'm, I'm, I'm getting at there. And if you do need to fix it, Brody is obviously the guy you go there. I don't want to dwell on everything. I mean, there's, there were a lot of bad from last night. There was also a lot of good. I don't think a player has needed a game uh, as bad this season as Tyler Bertuzzi needed that mm-hmm. one last night. It's so easy to point to the goal, but it wasn't the goal for me. He's in the blue paint. He draws the penalty. He's finishing his checks. He takes a little bit of a run at somebody at the end of the second period. It felt like he had the puck on his stick more in that game last night than he had had all the other games combined up to this point. It's just, it felt like a player who, who really, really needed it. And honestly, all the forward lines were clicking, but he was the guy who I won't say jumped the most, but it was the nicest to see have that game last night. His best game is a leaf. And I, and I don't know if it's particularly close. He also had five shots and he looked, he looked like himself again. Uh, and it was great to see first even strength goal. I mean, it's not a pretty goal, but that's that's the kind of goal you want for Batuzzi. Standing in the paint, whacking in rebounds. Uh, I thought he was noticeable for a lot of the night, totally. and I thought that was and I thought that was their best line. I actually didn't think they had that great of a game that line against Tampa. I no. think it was all all the first line and the third line, and they, they kind of flew under the radar. But uh, I thought Nylander was buzzing, uh, looked like himself. Another two points. John Tavares has been an absolute beast in the face-off circle. That Bertuzzi yeah. goal doesn't happen if Tavares isn't winning the draw. He's over 63%. He's one of the best face-off guys in the league. He just keeps getting better. Uh, so I, I think if that line can find chemistry, like if Bertuzzi can find a home with those two, I, I think it would be, it'd be fine. Um, you know, consistency has been the big thing with him. He's had a couple flashes before. But hopefully this is a night that he can build off of because he was another guy we were worried about, like, where does he fit? Um, but he, if he can carve out a home there, then he's, he'll be good.
Tavares winning 18 of 22 faceoffs yesterday yeah. <laughs> was out freaking rage. What a man. Um, the third line is doing stuff too. I mean, they score the goal, an incredible backhand saucer pass from Max Domi to Nick Robertson. I, the shot attempts were 12 6 in favor of the Maple Leafs at five on five with Robertson on the ice. Like, he has points in consecutive games to start his season for the Leafs this season. Like, that's the thing. And you know what? I, I, you look at those two guys as maybe having problems in their own end. I didn't see much of that yesterday. They were actually an even. Uh, even pairing, uh, or at least Nick Robertson was. I guess Max Domi was caught on for for one extra goal against uh, at even strength, so he was minus one. But Nick Robertson was even yesterday. Like I do, I do feel like they they've also found something with the third line, at least in small sample here, Luke. Yeah, because I mean they needed secondary scoring, and and all of a sudden Nick Robertson gets called up and and starts delivering, and it looks like him and Domi have a little chemistry, which is great. And Yarncroc's kind of the the defensive conscience of that group and Yarncroft's gotten points in, in back-to-back games now that they've formed that third line and they, they have something offensively there. I, I The trouble is I don't think you trust them as a matchup line. I don't think you trust them in their own zone too much. Uh, you know, I did notice one, one point where Robertson, I think, got a little panicked and, and caused an icing that eventually led to a goal. Uh, so, you know, the... the it's not a perfect line, but in terms of trying to find some offense farther down the lineup, which is what they needed and what they still need, um, I think they're onto something. Now, one thing I, I wonder about is is Max Domi a uh, long-term solution as a third-line center? And Sheldon Keefe got asked about that, and he was like, "If he keeps playing like this, sure." But it's a long, it's a long season, and and, you, and just by his tone, you're kind of like, this is a temporary fix. But I, I think moving Domi to center was a was a big thing. It got his feet moving. Yeah. He seems more engaged. You got two games in a row now where you're noticing Max Domi, and uh, he looks like he's having fun having a guy to play off of in Nick Robertson. Like Domi's a playmaker, and Robertson's a finisher. So they they might be onto something there. Is Max Domi the the three C solution? of a of a, a a team that's going deep in the playoffs. I'm not convinced yet, but I like the spark that they've found. Yeah, and I mean, look, like there's plenty other holes to to plug up, right? Like if you're if you're looking at issues you want to fix, it's certainly the blue line beyond 3C right now, but I'm with you there. I don't think anyone is saying, "Ah, pen or uh, pen that in for uh, for a Stanley Cup run," but certainly nice to see right now. In terms of Robertson, this this is it, right? Like we're done with the with the yo-yoing. I I'm not saying this is it in terms of him playing 82 games or anything like that. We we've seen his his game logs, but they can't send him back down, can they? I mean, it seems like it is either stick hurt or trade at this point in time because i i don't want them to squander the asset they've had so few players come through like him and i don't want to overstate what he is but just in terms of a viable prospect that could maybe have some upside to be more than just a kind of cog there do you think that that's it it's either he he sticks he's traded or, or he's hurt effectively because i I'd, I'd have a hard time seeing him going back down to the marlies but maybe, maybe you see it differently no no i i'd like to see him stick uh, i mean who are you going to bring up? Like, I, he's been more noticeable in his two games than Holmberg was in however many he was up here for. So, for sure. and I know Holmberg's a center, and the, and they, the, there's concerns about center depth. But I just, I just love the kid's effort. I, I like how you you notice him. He gives you everything he has. Let's give him some run here. I, I mean, and and I do think it was smart for them to start him down in with the Marlies. 
even though it was only for for less than a month. Like he he came up confident. That's the, that's one of the things he kept repeating that first morning skate he got up here is I, I I feel like I have confidence because you look at his stat line. He's getting a point per game. He's getting used. Uh, I think it was around 20 minutes a night. Lots of situation. Game on the line down in the HL. So it's not as if they just threw him back from his his shoulder injury, which was a significant one, right into the NHL. They, I think it was smart for Trey Living to start him down low and then bring him up and bring him up on a high, and he's feeling good. And the team needed him. Like at that point, they had zero secondary scoring. All of a sudden, you got two games where he's integral in, in providing that secondary scoring. Uh, again, his his defensive game isn't quite there yet. Like I think Sheldon Keith hesitates to use him in, in all situations. But, you know, for what he does, he does well. And he's willing to learn and he's willing to try and, and, and you notice him. And I think there's too many guys in the bottom six on too many nights that you don't notice. And and I, if, if he can maintain it, if he can keep up with the rigors of the NHL and, and the you know big bruising defenseman he has to go up against as a small guy, keep him up here. Yeah. At least he does a, a thing. Like if, if John Klingberg had 20 points, but he was yeah still on the ice yeah. for, for a bunch of goals against it, at least he's saying, well, he's doing a thing. Right now he's doing nothing uh, besides watching the puck go into his own net. Uh, Luke, it's uh, been a pleasure to see you in person the last couple of Leaf games. Um, you're about a week away from your Sweden sojourn. You've been boning up on your, your Swedish history. Did you know that there's a king of Sweden? And do you know his name? Henrik? Oh, it's a good, a good guess. Carl. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> Great oh. guess, though. Yeah, that's, that's really solid, man. Uh, enjoy right. Sweden, man. Uh, great great uh, seeing you, and, and great work as always, buddy. Enjoy the meatballs. Right. I don't know. What did I eat over right. there? Good All right. Right. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye, Luke Fox, Sportsnet Leafs reporter. He will be headed with the Toronto Maple Leafs to Sweden, which um, is fast approaching. couple of games mm-hmm. this weekend, back-to-back against a couple more Canadian teams and the Flames tomorrow and then the Canucks on Saturday on Hockey Night in Canada, and off they go. Their next game will be in six days post-Canucks game on Friday the 17th in Sweden. Yep. Uh, that's a 2 p.m. game, and then they don't play on Hockey Night in Canada. Oh, God. Don't talk about the 8 a.m. game. I'm, and, being, and don't get upset. I'm being so good right now. And I'm they, being they, so good. They wrap up their Sweden trip against the Minnesota Wild. On yeah. Sunday, November the 9th. We'll all get through it together, people. We'll all find a way. All right. Time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. How about some non Toronto Maple Leafs hockey on Sportsnet? Seven o'clock tonight, it's the Islanders in Boston to play a Bruins team that's off to a tremendous start in this Atlantic division, and they are minus 154 favorites on the money line. If you like the puck line at minus one and a half goals, they are plus 165. The total is low, five and a half, and you got to pay the juice on the under. I, I know this. these are two very good defensive hockey teams yes. with two very good goalies, but, yeah, whenever I see a number that low. It's very low. I, I, I like the over plus 100, or like even odds. I like Boston to cover, plus 165. They're just a machine. They uh, they seemingly will never lose again, and they've, they've won 19 of their last 20 games against teams in the Metro. I know you got to go one and a half there, but mm-hmm. I, uh, we love an empty net cover in, in hockey. So, yeah, give me Boston, minus one and a half, plus 165. 
Uh, poor Al Michaels saddled with the <laughs> Panthers in Chicago to play the Bears. And yeah, it's Tyson Bajan again. That was like a nice little narrative for one game. And yes, then Tyson and Bajan still here. is Tyson Bajan, it turns out, uh, against the Chargers. The, the spread is the Bears favored by three and a half. Or Bryce Young, um, who had his Super Bowl victory That's against right. the Texans and C.J. Stroud. Uh, but now he's an underdog in Chicago against Tyson Bagent. The total, 38 and a half <laughs> for a football game. In 2023. Yeah, I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> Isn't it fun to take the under on 38 and a half? Uh, I think so. Yeah, rooting for <laughs> chaos. It's the only thing you can root for in this game. Let's do it. Let's take the under at uh, 38 and a half. And as we always do, take the points on the Thursday night. 100%. Yeah, take take the points, take the under, and you just hope for like a 10-3 final, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility by any stretch of the imagination. And pray for Al Michaels. Yes. <laughs> Best of luck, Al. <laughs> All right. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet local when we come back more leafs and then we'll also talk to our pal alvin williams sportsnet raptors analyst next as the fan morning show continues ben ennis brent gunning sportsnet 590 the fan